Hello, everybody. This is Kevin Witham, and welcome to Season 3 of the Common Grounds Unity Podcast. Jesus valued unity and prayed for it, that we may all be one. We believe unity is best achieved through relationships rather than beginning with disagreements over doctrine, practice, or ideology. We value the gathering, breaking bread and sharing a cup of coffee or your favorite beverage. We invite you to gather with another Christian outside your particular family of churches and tell others that unity starts with a cup of coffee. So grab a cup and let's get started with another episode of the Common Ground Unity Podcast. Welcome to our discussion today at our Common Ground Unity Podcast. I want to say that we're we're missing Tina Bruner today. Tina had a little spill on a bike, so pray for her. Um, I think she's doing well, but just uh, stinging a bit. So she can't be with us today, but we've got a guest host, Chris Jones, who's going to be co-hosting today. And I want to welcome Chris. He is the lead minister at Westgate Church of Christ in Dothan, Alabama. He's married to Allison. He's currently pursuing a PhD in New Testament at Faulkner University and is a coach at Providence Christian School. He loves C.S. Lewis, Greek, Hebrew, and and football. That's there's some varied interest there, Chris. And he's got <laughs> yes, a heart sir. for what we're doing on Common Ground Unity. Welcome, Chris. Good to have you with us. Tell us just a little about yourself. Well, first of all, thank you. Uh, I'm excited about being a part of this. And uh, I grew up a, as a preacher's kid, so my whole life is tied to the life of a local church. Uh, I grew up in a small little church across in North Alabama, and uh, my life was just blessed richly. Some people look at being a, as a, a preacher's kid as being maybe as a, a difficulty or some even a curse, but I see it as a blessing. Uh, so many relationships and, and memories, good memories, and uh, being a part of that with my dad, watching him uh, do do Jewel Miller film strips. Y'all may, I don't know if y'all know what that is, but oh, yes. uh, we would do evangelism together. And uh, he called it afflicting the comfortable. We would visit people. Uh, I was baptized in the cross at 12, and uh, that was a major step for me in my discipleship journey. Uh, I would say, I had another conversion in college, maybe a conversion of my mind. Uh, I went through a faith crisis at a very uh, impressionable age in, in my early 20s. Uh, I was majoring in, in the sciences and wanted to be a science teacher. And so I was really struggling. And, and God put a great minister in my life who introduced me to Francis Schaefer and C.S. Lewis. And I grew to love C.S. Lewis and love Francis Schaefer too. And so I had a conversion of my whole self, I guess, in college. And I was just reinvigorated. And Try to make a decision that I want to go into ministry or coaching and teaching. And that really wise uh, minister said, why don't you go into coaching? Uh, people will listen to you more in that platform. So for a period of time, I taught high school, taught physics and chemistry and coached high school football. And um, I also became bivocational during that time. I was a tent making preacher. So I'd preach for small churches, eventually went into full-time ministry. And along the way, I had another conversion, uh, how I read the Bible. I became what I call a whole Bible Christian. I started reading the entire uh, Bible as one narrative arc, uh, uh, one story, a, a theological reading of the Bible that tied it all together. Mm -hmm. I also had another conversion along the way of this ecumenical drive, uh, wanting to learn more. So through the Stone Campbell Journal Conference, I met people from the Christian church and started learning from them. And then from, from friends and, and other people that God put along my path, I met people from the International Church of Christ. And I learned that the churches across could learn from these brothers and sisters from this restoration heritage about discipleship and evangelism. So uh, my journey has been blessed and it's been a, 
uh, like a roller coaster at times, but it's been, I, I am spoiled in many ways in, in how God has rich, richly blessed me in my life. Well, that's a great story, Chris. Boy, I appreciate that. And you mentioned those Jewel Miller film strips. Um, I, I, I sat in a Bible class next to Jewel Miller's daughter. And, uh, you know, that, that familiar, when the slide turns, that beep, that, you know, <laughs> I think most Church of Christ people can identify with that. Uh, yes. <laughs> you know, we, we'd go to Bible studies and we'd carry our, our slides or our film strips and all this equipment to go in. And Well, welcome. We're so glad to have you with us. That's a great story, and we look forward to getting to know you more. Um, before I introduce our guests that we're going to be co-hosting together in a, in a discussion with, I just want to mention to our listeners, we're back to dropping weekly podcasts. So hopefully you'll be blessed by more conversations than we had uh, earlier this season. Uh, we've returned to every Friday, uh, putting out some fresh uh, conversations. So we hope you'll uh, listen each week. The popular rip and repair videos with Douglas Jacoby and Nick Zola have been remastered for a quality audio video experience. It includes original PowerPoint slides. So the first class is now available on our new Common Grounds Unity Patreon channel. And then the second will be hosted soon. So please consider joining our Patreon community by going to the CGU website or www.patreon.com front slash Common Grounds Unity. Well, now I want to introduce our guests. We, we're going to be talking about an organization that has been blessing Restoration Churches uh, financially. And we want you to know more about them. Uh, it is the Solomon Foundation that we're going to be talking about. And we have with us three guests. Doug Crozier is the founder, president, and chief executive officer of the Solomon Foundation. It is the fastest growing church extension fund in America. So that's remarkable in and of itself. The Solomon Foundation raises investment dollars from investors, and those funds are then lent to churches within the restoration movement for refinancing church building acquisitions and construction projects. So Doug's with us today. Doug is married to Julie, and I'll let him say a few words in just a moment. Um, Daryl Reed is also with us. Daryl is the lead minister at D.C. Regional Christian Church in Washington, D.C., Daryl has served in the ministry within the Church of Christ, the ICOC, and the Christian Church. Uh, Daryl is married to Sharon Reed, and um, we want to welcome Daryl uh, to our conversation today. Will Archer is the lead pastor at the Potomac Valley Church, meeting in two locations, Prince William Campus in Dumfries, Virginia, and the Rappahannock Campus in Fredericksburg, Virginia. And Will is married to Tasha. Now, if I mispronounced anything there, please correct me, but welcome to you three. And why don't we start with you, Doug? Glad to have you with us. You know, it's great to be here and uh, it's great to see my good friends, Will Archer and Daryl Reed. Uh, we uh, got great partnership with them and uh, I'm just blessed to be able to work within the restoration movement, uh, churches, and uh, been doing it now since the early 90s. And uh, my wife and I were a team. We, uh, we started the Solomon Foundation with two major churches, uh, Christ Church of the Valley in Peoria, um, Arizona, which is a church that runs 38,000 every Sunday, and Crossroads Christian Church in Grand Prairie, Texas. It runs about eight or 9,000 every Sunday. 
Uh, and those two churches help launch the Solomon Foundation along with real life ministries in Post Falls, Idaho, which is a ministry that runs about 15,000 every weekend. So uh, these three churches came alongside us to, to help us navigate the waters to start a, a church extension fund in 2010, early 2011. And since then, we've grown to over a billion, almost $1.1 billion in total assets and served over 500 churches in America and in Eastern Europe. Um, and uh, Tina's actually serving uh, in Poland uh, with a ministry that we helped to finance uh, in, in Poland. Uh, but we've helped over 500 churches. We have over 7,500 investors in all 50 states that have plowed their resources uh, into the Solomon Foundation, allowing us to help build buildings uh, all across this nation. Well, Daryl and Will, welcome to the both of you as well. Good to have you both with us. It's great to be here. It's great to be with you guys. Well, Daryl and Will, as a fellow minister, I'm fascinated with learning from you guys about your partnership with the Solomon Foundation. So my question I'm asking as a, as a fellow minister is, what has that been like for you, like the benefits and, and what have you seen? How has that blessed you guys? I'll go ahead and start off. First of all, I am so grateful to be on this call and um, I love this. I love uh, connecting and, and uh, building the bridges and crossing over those bridges. This is absolutely awesome. When I think about the uh, Duck Crozier and the Solomon Foundation, uh, some people think of it more as a church extension fund as a bank. I, I don't, that's not my experience, even though they definitely helped us acquire a property in the very expensive area of Washington, D.C., is more of a partnership. And uh, there's so much more than a, a bank lender. Uh, th this is a, a gathering place where I've been inspired, been encouraged, been supported whether it's through the mentors or uh, pastoral conferences or friendships um, uh, or just the opportunity to put ministers in the same room so we can learn from each other. I was telling Doug this a while ago when I saw what was happening with the Solomon Foundation. I said, you <laughs> I said, Brother Doug, you're going to go down in history as, as a, a really an integral part of God's movement because what you are doing in particular, what Solomon Foundation is doing in particular is it is, it is allowing the streams of the, of the movement of God to come into one place where we see a mighty river forming. And um, I actually recently did an article in the Christian Standard, actually, with this in mind, talking about there's a, there's a great confluence of, uh, of, of movements that is happening. And I think the Solomon Foundation has been that for D.C. Regional Christian Church, uh, such a blessing. So. I am a recipient of uh, God's blessings through Doug Crozier and through the Solomon Foundation. It's, it's a great partnership. I'm just really grateful, much like Daryl said, I'm, I'm grateful to be a part of this conversation um, with all of you today. Um, uh, we've just been blown away by how God has really moved um, through the connection that we had um, and that we've developed and that we have with the Solomon Foundation. Uh, you know, in, in the fall of 2020, our congregation here, which is our main campus, is in Prince William County, which is Virginia's second largest jurisdiction and the first majority minority county in Virginia. We didn't have a place to meet and we didn't know in the pandemic what we would do moving forward because we've been renting um, 
schools for the past 15 years as a congregation. And I reached out to Daryl and he told me about his partnership with the Solomon Foundation. And that opened the door for us to have a conversation with Doug um, and with the whole team there at Solomon. And within 40 days, they were able to help us to go from not having a building to having now our main campus with hundreds of people coming every Sunday to worship God. Um, I, I honestly just echo the, the same sentiments that Daryl shared. The, for us, Solomon, it's not a, uh, just a, a church expansion fund or extension fund, um, but rather there's really a strategic partnership and a relationship and a, a real brotherhood um, that we've built. Um, and also it's exposed me personally to the, the broader restoration movement in a much more dynamic way than I was exposed to before. I'm connecting with brothers and sisters from really all around the country and some from around the world that are really passionate about spreading the gospel. So the past three years, our relationship has redefined our church. It's accelerated our ministry. Um, it's truly been a blessing. Doug, I think for many of our listeners, um, there, there, there's an unfamiliarity with the term, the Solomon Foundation and even church extension funds. Um, in autonomous churches, uh, I marvel at what the Solomon Foundation has brought together to come alongside these churches. And yet, in I know the stream I'm in, I'm in uh, the stream of Churches of Christ that have historically been in that acapella part. I think folks are just learning of the Solomon Foundation. The independent Christian churches have had things like the Church Development Fund and now Solomon Foundation. Tell our listeners more about how Solomon Foundation came together, about church extension funds. You gave us some insight when we first introduced you. What is that? What's distinctive about Solomon? And what are you know all the services that uh, people can find through Solomon Foundation? Uh, great question, Kevin. And I start out by saying that, you know, back in the, back in the Great Depression, uh, when lots of things were happening in the financial markets, uh, there was this bill that was passed called the 1933-34 Securities Act, which if you print that document out, it's a good 12 to 18 inches thick. And it really rewrote all of the, all of the requirements for banking and financial institutions in America, all for good. Uh, there was one paragraph in that entire document that basically stated that affiliated groups of churches or denominations can form a church extension fund, which allows them to take in investments from people that sit in the chairs and pews of their churches across the country and then loan those funds out to uh, churches that are in that same um a group of churches, either through affiliation or through denomination. So today there's about 75 different funds in America that all represent groups. Uh, and so we gather once a year at a conference and we're not competition. So we share a lot of good ideas, but there's about 75 church extension funds in the United States. So you would think your main, all your mainline denominations have them. Uh, along with other affiliated groups uh, of uh, of churches. So that's the technical version of a church extension fund. Um, and it was all born out of that uh, uh, Great Depression era 
and the rewriting of the financial uh, world. So the interesting thing is with that, uh, uh, the Solomon Foundation being a church extension fund is a 501c3 not-for-profit. Uh, we're also a 509a foundation. Uh, and in that vein, um, it's interesting, we are not subject to any regulatory oversight by the federal government because we're not-for-profit. However, we have to file our audited financials and our offering circular in all 50 states uh, every year. So we have 50 regulators. So we're kind of in this unknown world of the federal government says we can't make money, but the state governments all say we have to make money to stay in business. So we have to juggle that. And that's why at the Solomon Foundation, we give away millions of dollars a year back to churches. In fact, in a little over 11 years, we've given back over $12.3 million of grants to churches. Uh, simply because any excess surplus or resources we have, we want to plow that back into ministry. Um, myself, my background, uh, I'm a banker by trade. So uh, I'm like a little kid in a candy store um, having the, the best time of my life. You know, I'll be 69 years old this month and I feel like I'm 35 and uh, just have enjoyed working uh, with churches all across the United States. In my career, since the early 90s, I've uh, worked with over 1,400 restoration movement churches across the United States. And uh, it's been a joy for me and my wife to be able to, to do that. And um, our goal at the Solomon Foundation is to say yes. So being a banker by trade, uh, my goal to customers that come and ask for a loan at the bank is to say no. At the Solomon Foundation, our goal when people come and ask for a loan, churches ask for a loan, is to say yes. We're going to find every way we can to help the church. Now, that doesn't mean we approve every loan, but the bottom line is we have an attitude of we want to say yes. And that's a whole different mindset than the, the banking world uh, that's out there across America. Hmm. And people can invest funds with the Solomon Foundation. Absolutely. So we offer uh, debt securities uh, in the form of a certificate. So it's just like purchasing a CD at the bank. Uh, we uh, offer different types of uh, programs, a demand account, uh, six month, one year, three year, five year, seven year, and ten now ten year, uh, ten year certificate of deposit at the Solomon Foundation, earning very good yields, uh, and so that's been a, a blessing to a lot of people across the country that they can actually invest money into something that's very very meaningful. Uh, and nothing against against the banks, but you deposit money at the bank and you don't know where that money's going. Uh, at the Solomon Foundation, you know where it's going. It's going to be invested into growing dynamic churches all across the United States. You know, you know, for me, Kevin, it's interesting because, you know, people say to me all the time, how in the world did you grow an organization to over a billion dollars in over a little over 10 years? And I said, well, it's pretty simple. I'm just trying to keep up with the Daryl Reeds and the Will Archers of the world. Uh, and the bottom line is... We underwrite leadership first. Uh, that's very, very important because, you know, most financial institutions, when they look at 
underwriting a church loan, they concentrate on all the financial side. But the real issue is the two biggest risks I have in making a loan to a church have nothing to do with finances. The first biggest risk I have is moral failure in the pulpit. And the second biggest risk I have is what I call leadership meltdown. That's when the elders say they're right. And the senior pastor says he's right. And they don't come to terms. Therefore, there's a church split. And obviously, if I'm lending money to a church, those are the two biggest things that I look out for. So pastoral care is a big thing for us. Um, give you an example of that. Uh, when COVID hit, um, we're a financial institution. We're a church extension fund. The first decision I made when we went into COVID was I put a clinical psychologist on our staff. And the reason being is because we had 500 pastors across the country that we knew going into COVID were going to need assistance. And so basically, we put him on retainer. Dr. Wes Beavis wrote the, the award-winning uh, book called Ministry Burnout, and he's a clinical psychologist in Southern California. I'd known Dr. Wes for years, and uh, we put him on our team, and any pastor within the Solomon uh, family could go to Dr. Wes and get two sessions free before they'd have to pay for any additional services. We made that available. Uh, and that was a big, 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 important thing. But Solomon Foundation pours about $1 million a year into pastoral care. It's a big thing for us. We really want to make sure our pastors are healthy, their staffs are healthy, their families are healthy. And that's probably one of the most important functions we feel we provide in our ministry partnership to churches is... Uh, this last year, we took 300 and some pastors and their wives to Aruba. All they had to do was get there. We paid for the hotel and the food. Uh, both of these gentlemen, Will and Daryl, were there with their wives. And I know they're smiling. They had a good time. Great. Um, the year before that, we took, uh, right when COVID was, was ending, we took uh, 400 people to the big island of Hawaii. We were the first group to get back into Hawaii and uh, took a group of pastors and Dr. West called me before we went to Hawaii and said, there's six pastors going on the trip that uh, have already told me that they are going to be coming home from Hawaii and getting out of the ministry. And I said, Dr. West, I never ask you who you're counseling with. That's none of my business. But this time I have to ask, I need the names of those six people. Because we spread the word and we loved on those six guys. And I can report today, two years later, that all six of those men are still in the ministry. Mm. Mm. So that's important for us is to pour money into the health and welfare uh, of not our quote unquote borrowers, but our ministry partners. And uh, for us, that's what it's all about. Uh, one, one other quick story I'd share with you, Kevin, before the next question is... Uh, you know, I got a call from a guy named Dr. Orpheus Hayward. Uh, many of you may know Dr. Hayward. Uh, today, Orpheus and I are very, very close friends. In fact, every time I attend Renaissance Church of Christ, he'll invite my wife up on the stage to introduce us as I am his best Caucasian friend. Okay, <laughs> that's an honor for me. 
But uh, we learned uh, five or six years ago about the African-American non-instrumental Church of Christ, and we were very intrigued. Uh, we met Orpheus. Uh, Orpheus uh, had a church called West End Church of Christ. It's now been renamed to, to Renaissance. Uh, they had a $2.2 million building that they owned free and clear. Uh, they had $600,000 in the bank. They just purchased a new property, $800,000 paid all cash. And no one would lend them a dime. And I thought to myself, something's wrong here. So I visited uh, Renaissance or West End at the time, now Renaissance, met their leaders. Great men of God, doctors, lawyers, professionals, engineers. I mean, just great men, great church. So we made a loan for them to do a total relocation from downtown Atlanta out to the suburbs. Beautiful new facility. Uh, and what that did is opened the door for us to the uh, African-American non-instrumental Church of Christ. And since then, five, five six years later, uh, we've helped over 80 African-American churches all across the United States for over $160 million. And so that was our entry into this new group of churches that we, we'd never met. And, of course, then we moved into uh, helping Will, and Will and, and Daryl both have helped introduce us to our, our brothers and sisters in the International Church of Christ. And so now we're working. We've done a handful of loans with ICOC churches. And uh, so we're spreading our wings um, in this, this great uh, group of churches within the Restoration Movement. Uh, you know, the, the vast majority of our big loans— are to big, growing, dynamic, uh, independent Christian churches. You know, many people feel in America that the independent Christian church is the fastest growing evangelical movement in America. I truly believe that. I don't have anything to back it up, except, you know, 20 years ago, there was eight churches over a thousand in the independent Christian church. Today, it's over 300. Mm -hmm. So obviously there's lots of growth in our movement, but our, our, our goal at the Solomon Foundation is to come alongside the church, help them get into a building, build a building, acquire a box and convert it. We've done a lot of grocery stores and Walmarts, Home Depots, we've converted into churches. Uh, but our goal is to help the church. We're not, we're, you know, never ask me to preach, but I sure will find you a building. Oh, that, that, those are, that, that's great. Those are good stories, uh, Doug. I appreciate that explanation and uh, some of those different ways you've reached out to different segments and started to grow the influence and opportunity of, of Solomon Foundation to serve the churches in a larger way. Hey, everybody. We'll be right back with the rest of this episode. We want to take a moment to thank Mission Alive and Central Christian College of the Bible for sponsoring this episode. Mission Alive equips leaders to start innovative communities of faith focused on transforming marginal communities. They provide church planning training, apprenticeships, consulting, and discipleship cohorts, among other resources. They can also train you to be a nationally accredited coach through Catalyze Coach Training. This 28-week credential will equip you to impact and transform your church organization leadership and ministry. Learn how God can transform your life and ministry by going to missionalive.org. That's missionalive.org or emailing them at contact at missionalive.org. And Central Christian College of the Bible has low-cost 
innovative and flexible master's programs in ministry leadership and preaching that they want you to know about. These two-year programs are designed to be one-third online, one-third on campus, and one-third supervised ministry by an expert in your interest area. The mentoring courses can offer credit in your local ministry. Graduates like Dr. Don Mahardy and Jonathan Curtis are impacting the kingdom in deeper, more meaningful ways because of their education at CCCB. So find out more at cccb.edu front slash graduate. That's cccb.edu front slash graduate. Let me circle back with uh, Daryl and Will and, and just kind of tag a little bit on Chris's question uh, from a bit ago. What, what would you say your experience has been with Solomon that's very different than had you just gone to a bank and, and tried to acquire funding there? Tell us a little bit more about that partnership. By the way, I think Chris and I are already on board with Aruba in Hawaii. Um, <laughs> I like the sound of that. But t- Daryl, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your experience there in a larger way, and then Will, if you will, also. Okay, great. Well, for many years, we would um, meet um, in schools because we were, we were a startup church a couple of decades. For a couple of decades, we'd meet in schools, hotels, office spaces. So we started as a as a leadership team dreaming about having a permanent worship facility. Um, one of our key executive ministers, pastors, he just said, I'm going to hire a realtor. <laughs> and we had no money, but we were just dreaming about acquiring a space, realizing that, you know, uh, it may be prior to us having that dream. We, we probably had the ideology that, you know what, buildings get in the way instead of facilitate growth. But we had a change in a way we're thinking that, that we needed more permanency within the community. So we had this new dream, but no money. And I was at a, 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 the NACC. They had this committee, um, a continuation committee. And a brother named Russell Johnson pulled me aside and says, I heard you guys were looking for a place. And he gave me his card. And I got off the bus, got back to my hotel room. And by the time I got to my hotel room, Russ had already called me two times. <laughs> and he says, you know what? We could, we could probably come alongside of you and help you out. But I told him our situation, how expensive Washington, D.C. is, that we didn't have any money. So he said, I'm just going to come alongside and help you out. So we had a renewed dream. But we ran into a roadblock because the Washington, D.C. area is super expensive. And we were getting desperate. I had Russ in, I had Doug in, we were, we were ready to purchase properties, but Doug said, no, we're not going to get that one. They don't have parking <laughs> or we're not going to get that one. This is not, your, not your space. So we landed on a particular property just right outside, maybe a couple of miles away from Washington, DC in terms of the, the Eastern end, the city caught Hillcrest Heights. It was an old census bureau building that, uh, uh, was not being used. It was it started off as an elementary school, then turned into a census bureau building office space. Doug, we had Doug come in, and uh, the, the price was like over three million. And we're uh, our pastoral team were looking at each other like, man, we, we 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 can't purchase this. Doug was able to come in, leverage the support of Solomon, purchase the property on the spot. And, uh, and and worked out the loans uh, with us later. 
it was one of the most amazing, frightening things I've ever experienced in my life. <laughs> As he, <laughs> he just in, totally helped us. It was God's hand. And uh, through, through renovations, uh, God has allowed us to have a permanent place so that we can do community and have a long generational impact uh, in, in the Washington, D.C. area. We're so grateful. I'm so grateful for Russell Johnson is stick to itiveness. He is such an assertive, uh, um, visionary uh, minister. And then, of course, Doug came in as Doug the Closure, not Doug Crozier. <laughs> and, and he just really <laughs> helped us out in a major way. So we, of course, as soon as we got in the building, uh, uh, COVID hit. But we, we've been able to relaunch this year to see a lot of people coming back in and uh, seeing our ministry center be a great spot for the gospel to go out right in the Washington, D.C. area. Yeah, Daryl, you know, our story, again, is, is really similar and builds on what Daryl shared, because when we saw that Daryl and the D.C. Regional Church had their building, one of our board members actually moved uh, back to the D.C. area and said, you need to go see their building. It's amazing what, what they've done. And uh, we'd spent years, uh, it was about six years, we've been intentionally looking for a building. I've talked to so many bankers. So I, I can say I have an incredible breadth of experience as it relates to talking to bankers in the area. And they all told me, they said, Will, if you can find a loan that's better than 70% loan to value, then you should just go with it because there's no way that you could do it. And the choice for us was going if we if we were to do that we would have to cut ministry staff and cut programs significantly if we wanted to have a building because where we live much like daryl so everybody in, in our church works where daryl has his church in dc so uh so there's only 93 percent occupancy well not only there is 93 percent occupancy in all commercial buildings in this area so there's just a seven percent margin there are only two churches for sale in our area and um, and they were understandably really overpriced. Um, but God really moved in a great way uh, with us being able to partner with Solomon to make this happen. Uh, but uh, so I have I, I can say comparatively, uh, I have great friends who are bankers in this area, wonderful people that we've worked with. We've worked with them on other projects which have been really helpful, but we could never have done what God opened the door for us to do in 2020 if we if we didn't partner directly with Solomon. And uh, honestly, the thing that's mind-blowing is both Russell and Doug told me over and over again, they said, once you open this building, people are just going to come flooding in. And, uh, and you know, and I, I was like, man, we've been, we've been in this field for 15 years. But once we opened the building and we invited the community in every Sunday, we're just seeing literally um, tens, fifties, hundreds of people that are just coming in and learning about Jesus, becoming Christians, uh, getting restored in their faith. Um, so I, I'm, I, I will say that I am nothing but profoundly grateful and um, forever transformed over these past three years through the partnership. Will and Daryl, the, these stories are, are inspirational. Uh, they really are. So uh, two things I, I want to throw to you guys. Number one, uh, I'm thinking there could be ministers out there hearing this. Maybe they're nervous and they're thinking, okay, this is a leap of faith. What you're talking about, you know, uh, going and buying a facility. So number one, what would you say to them that would inspire them from your experience that this would be a good step for them? What Solomon has done for y'all. 
And then secondly, how, how tangibly has this blessed your membership, uh, this facility that God has blessed you with? So that, that would be two things that I ha- had in mind as you were talking. Well, one tangible benefit is we have a place to meet. Um, the school that we were meeting at originally uh, was shut down. If, if, if we didn't have the uh, location where we now meet at in terms of our new worship ministry center, we would not have been able to meet during COVID. And, and even the political landscape, uh, is uh, there's a pressure uh, on people who are meeting in public spaces to change their doctrine, to soften their stance, um, because you're renting from a, a public facility. So we feel very confident that we don't have to worry about where we're going to meet at. Uh, worried about the government coming in, censoring our messages, just to know that we're not going to be bouncing around all over the area, that you really need to be uh, uh, tied in or else you might not ever find our congregation again. Just the tangible benefit of having a place that serves as a 24-7 ministry center is incredible, whether it's daycare ministry, opening up nonprofits within our community, or just letting the community know that we are here. Somebody once said, if your church disappeared, would the community even know it? And unfortunately, I think prior to uh, this renewed vision, I think our church would have not had the same impact. But now we are totally invested within Hillcrest Heights, Suitland area, um, ministering to local uh, commu- uh, uh, communities, whether schools or, uh, or other uh, uh, civic centers. We feel as if we have a toehold which we can build from. So th- there's so many tangible benefits. And, and just, just having the flexibility to know that we're just not spending all this money and it goes down the drain. This is uh, a generational benefit. If we added up all the money that we spent <laughs> over the last couple of decades just for rental, man, we, we could have bought the building ourselves. But that money just went right down the drain and was only being used for Sunday worship or maybe perhaps a midweek worship. We have 24-7 access. I could go on and on and on, but there's so many tangible benefits that we've been able to receive. Yeah. And, and for us, um, in a very practical way, before we opened the church building, we opened our preschool and um, we partnered with Blue Ribbon Results Preschool, uh, which launched during the pandemic, Virginia's first um, brain-based Christian curriculum. So here in the Commonwealth of Virginia, there are Christian curriculums that are approved by the, by the Board of Ed and there are brain-based curriculums, but we have the first fully integrated Christian brain-based curriculum. We have 35 kids and their families that we, we serve throughout the week. A lot of those families have come to church are now part of our church community. Um, also, we saw our giving go up, in, in, which again is counterintuitive. As we're moving forward, we saw our giving go up significantly. Um, but not only has the giving gone up, I think the thing that's the most remarkable uh, is I am now more convinced than ever before that Matthew 9, 38 is true, that, that we need to pray for workers because the harvest is plentiful. And while there's a lot of messaging in the media world kind of making the case that people are leaving church or are not interested in faith, what we found is that if you preach the gospel and if you're discoverable, there are more people that are looking for Jesus now than I've ever seen in my entire adult life. 
And, um, and we've had to reshape even our whole process of, of, you know, new member classes to be able to adjust to the numbers of people that are just looking for God after the pandemic, after all of the, the social strife that's gone on and is still going on in our country. Um, I think people are the most open. Um, and so being able to be discoverable with a building really helpful. Um, but honestly, it, it is the active work of the Holy Spirit that we see um, that, that's really happening. But those are the tangible benefits for us, the, the preschool, people coming to Christ, and also God really blessing our giving. Uh, th- those answer well, I think, the question for a lot of people who you know, wonder, is it worth it to invest in buildings? And, and maybe that answer is different depending upon the part of the country or the size of the church. Um, but those are good answers to, to the difference between being in a rental facility or a public place as opposed to your own home. Hey, folks, this is a great conversation with our guest, and we don't want you to miss any of it. So we want to break here and bring you the rest of this conversation next week. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to like and support this ministry. In the meantime, reach out to someone outside of your family of churches and grab a cup of coffee. Thank you for listening to the Common Grounds Unity podcast. Please check out commongroundsunity.org to learn more about who we are. You can subscribe to the essays, join our Facebook group, or find our YouTube channel. And please check out the gatherings page where you can connect with other unity-minded Christians in your area. If you want to volunteer or ask questions, please email john at commongroundsunity.org. And lastly, we need your help by donating to this ministry of reconciliation. Your donation is tax deductible. Links for donating are in the show notes or on our website. Until next time, God bless. And remember, unity starts with a cup of coffee.